I'm Mimi Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. A new drug is promising an effective treatment for dementia at $56,000 a year. Steve and I break down the reality of this not-so-simple medical breakthrough and how you can plan for a high health care cost in the future. We also talk about the financial implications of working in retirement and a new offer to put Bitcoin into your 401k. You can probably guess maybe how we feel about that one. Finally, Andy Schaefer, a chartered financial consultant at Allworth, joins me to discuss the times you should and should not pay down that mortgage early. An incredibly controversial and expensive Alzheimer's drug is approved by the FDA. How much would you pay and what would it do? We're going to talk about that. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Is it a miracle cure or a money pit? You know, we're not getting into the science of this, Steve, but there are a lot of scientists out there that are saying... This drug um, has shown in a couple of studies that maybe it can put off some of the effects of Alzheimer's for a few months, Um, yet here we are with FDA approval, and for families who are dealing with this, my goodness, they would probably well, this, do anything. It, yeah, this is a this is a huge issue, and you know, investors I work with, you know, it's it's not uncommon for me to hear, "Why don't you talk about something that affects me?" You know, in my seventies, here we are. I, I, I yeah. mean, yeah, this is simply money, but this is a financial and very emotional and personal concern for a lot of retirees. I mean, most of us know somebody who's who's dealing with or has dealt with dementia alzheimer's and you know here's some here's a drug that was approved by the fda with marginal improvement to to uh, uh the symptoms of, of dementia and it becomes a dollar issue because they're talking about amy fifty six thousand dollars a year is the estimate for for treatment and, and it's not just the treatment but this is this is something where once a month you go in you get your IVs there are some very serious potential side effects so you've got to get uh, MRI scans to make sure you're not dealing with um, w- with brain hemorrhaging or brain swelling two of the the most uh, common side effects um, but you know this is one of the biggest concerns that elderly people have yeah. of you who are retired say Alzheimer's or dementia is the number one thing you worry about. That's that's above cancer. In fact, double the number of people who are worried about cancer. So along comes this drug, Adjuhelm. It's from Biogen, the first drug that's been approved to treat Alzheimer's since 2003. So you know there are families out there just desperate. Oh, yeah. Right? How can we help mom? How can we help dad? What can we do? And then along comes this FDA drug that's approved with a price tag of $56,000. My heart hurts for the people in this situation because I've been there. Yeah. We lost my mom to breast cancer um, about 11 years ago. And uh, and she had been she'd been diagnosed years before then. And, and then there had been a recurrence. And so she was stage four when she had the recurrence. And for four or five years, she, she fought this disease. And, and they threw every possible chemo in the book at her. Along came a drug called Avastin. And we were told, hey, very similar to this drug, it might help stay the progression of this disease. All I heard when the doctor said this was more time. Yeah. More yeah. time with my mom. That's all. And I you don't heard. think about money. No. Well, you don't. And then they mentioned, but yeah. it's expensive. Okay. How expensive, right? Mm-hmm. My parents had worked hard. They had saved for a long time. They'd lived very frugally. 
$7,000 a treatment and the treatments are monthly. Ooh, yeah. It, it, it was... It was like being punched in the gut. But it's and not about the money at that point. It's you not. Yeah. It's not about yeah. the money. And I don't know, maybe it did give us a few extra months. We, we will certainly never question that expense. But we were blessed to have been in a place where we could do that. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of families who at this place, when they're looking at $56,000 to help mom or dad with Alzheimer's or the, the effects of Alzheimer's creeping in, um, Okay, what do we do? Do we take out a, a home equity? Like, do, mm-hmm. do second yeah. mortgage? Like, yeah. do we pull money out of our four hundred one k? Those are the kinds of incredibly heart wrenching, difficult decisions that are going to have to be made. Yeah, but when when you see a loved one, especially if it's a, a spouse, start to deal with memory issues, and you know maybe there's Alzheimer's in in the family, um, you don't want to see them go down that road, and you will do any anything you you can to to slow the progression, and, and maybe this drug would help, maybe not. But, you know, here, here's here's the sad truth of it. I, I mean, if you go into an assisted living complex in the, uh, the memory care unit, you're probably talking 10, 11 grand a month, you, yeah. you know, just, just for the care. So, you know, if this staves it off, uh, okay, let's take a hard look at how can, how can we pay for this? Well, shouldn't Medicare pay for it? Medicare will pay for drugs that they consider safe and effective. You, you know, well, here's the way the dollars work out. If Medicare paid for this new Alzheimer's drug, it would add up. To, I've seen estimates all over the place, but we're talking $29 billion a year. That's more than it costs to fund NASA or the yes. EPA. I mean, this is serious money. So, you know, I I, I I hope it's an effective drug. I hope the prices come down. But um, we're talking some serious, serious money about a very important medical issue. Well, d- difficult decision, right? Because, I mean, here you are with this crazy expensive price tag for Medicare, for Medicaid, so in order to be able to help with it. At the same time, questionable results, very kind of very questionable results. Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, the FDA has been questioned, hey, why did you approve this? So it was just eight or nine months ago um, that an FDA committee said absolutely not on this drug. Uh, and then they came back, you know, nine months later and approved it. And when asked why, mostly it was, well, we're pretty certain that this this could be effective in helping you know kind of stay the progression of this mm-hmm. for a few months but mostly there is so much pressure from people who have loved ones who yeah. are fighting this disease that we want to say we hear you and we're going to give you hope you've been listening to simply money tonight here on 55 krc tonight talking about medicine potential advancements with alzheimer's and the cost to you to your loved ones to government programs uh this could be a game changer yeah, it could be. And I, you know, I don't want to go too deep into the biology, but, you know, you, you've got these proteins that clump up in your brain that cause, uh, cause, uh, Alzheimer's. And this is one of the few drugs that seems, seems to eat away at those clumps. So, you know, we're talking about maybe a four month improvement over an 18 month time span of, of retaining memory. Okay. That's, that's not everything. And that's a very, very minor subset of sufferers of of Alzheimer's, you know, so, you know, this is one that, all right, it's it's the first time in a while we've seen anything that shows any signs of improvement. But, you know, we're talking about so many people at this effects. I, I mean, we've got 61 million Americans that are over age 65, Amy, that, that are on Medicare, you know, so if this drug does some improvement, uh, results in some improvement, all right, if Medicare covers it, 
what does that then do to Medicare premiums? I mean, if we're talking $29 billion, let's say it's even half of that, um, Medicare premiums are going to go up, and, and that's not something anybody's happy with because the cost of Medicare is rising and becoming a bigger portion of the federal budget every year, and there doesn't seem to be any way that anybody in Congress uh, can, can get a handle on uh, reducing the increase in cost. So, you know, it, it's great that we're seeing medical improvements, but, you know, th- this could have a financial impact on everybody that's on Medicare. The problem is when these drugs come out and there's not a generic drug, right, produced quickly afterwards, yeah. that, that the cost can continue to be this high. I mean, how long can a government program like Medicare handle a $29 billion price tag right. for one kind of drugs that may or may not work. Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be uh, some huge bureaucratic red tape in all of this when you look at trying to figure out, okay, are they going to cover it? Are they not? But let's talk about what this means for you. There's a bright side to this, and, and I think that it's regardless, it shows that we will likely have a better retirement than our parents or our grandparents have or are having right now because of all of these amazing medical advancements, whether it's this drug or the next drug that could come along. Yeah, I I mean, I just met with an investor uh, this morning, and and, um, he's gone through liver cancer. It spread to his lungs. And this is eight years after the fact, and he's looking great. He's he's wow. doing good, and he's in his 80s. I, I mean, you know, my mom passed from lung cancer at age 50 because they're, mm-hmm. uh, this is going back to the mid-70s, but, you know, they, there just wasn't that much you could do for a person at that point. So, yeah, we're making these major, major advancements, but, you know, it, it comes at an expense. And, and I think, you know, if you're not thinking about the cost of health care as you're, you know, approaching retirement or, or first couple of years in retirement, you've got to set aside some serious money. I mean, we're, we're expecting out-of-pocket costs for the average retiree to be somewhere north of $300,000 over their, the course of their life. That's a lot of money. Well, here's the problem, I think, for a lot of people, and you can correct me if you see this differently, but I think we have a problem seeing ourselves in the future. So maybe right now you're a runner, you're active, you're out there with your kids or your grandkids all the time. You've never had a medical issue. There's no diabetes. There's no, uh, you know, any kind of heart disease history in your family. So, yeah, okay, that number is good for everyone else. I don't need $300,000. I'm healthy. I've always been healthy. My family's healthy. It's hard to put yourself in the shoes of that diagnosis could come. Uh, well, you're, you're looking at one, you, you know, yes. I mean, let's just go back, you know, playing, playing baseball. I'm active, uh, you know, run, do 5Ks, all that kind of stuff. Getting older, but not that old. And then wake no, up not. middle of the night like an elephant standing on my chest. And a couple of days later, I've got a triple bypass open heart surgery. You know, had not expected it. You don't know how this stuff is going to happen. And, and yeah, it, it's just, you know, save for retirement. But let's save for expected out-of-pocket health costs, too. And, and that can be through an HSA, our favorite, a health savings account. If you've got a high deductible plan at your employer, you're eligible to open up a health savings account. I mean, these are, if you can afford to save money, these are great, not just efficient ways, but tax efficient ways to save for future health expenses. I love seeing these when I do a financial plan for somebody. 
Well, in part of those health expenses is, of course, prescriptions. Now, the average annual out-of-pocket prescription drug expenditures for all adults is about 175 bucks. But when you get to the ages of 65 to 79, that gets closer to $500, yeah. right? $500 a year just with the medications. And this is why with Medicare, do not set it and forget it when it comes to your plan. Because sometimes medications change. Yeah. Sometimes how they cover them change. One plan that worked for you one year may not work the second year you're going to have to spend more time researching these things. Yeah, and, and, and that usually comes up, you know, well, it always comes up later in the year in October is when you start seeing the commercials. Every year you should reexamine your, your Medigap coverage. That's the, the separate plan from basic Medicare. My sister's a great example. She had a plan that with, with some new uh, changes in her health, it wasn't covering anything. She switched plans and it's it's night and day. I mean, most of the things that she was sweating, what she would have to pay for, they're covered under her new Medigap insurance because she researched it in October and, and picked a new plan. Yeah. One thing that is we're talking about things that you can do to plan for medical expenses it's an issue that you can't do anything about, but it's out there. Drugs are, for whatever reason, more expensive here in the U.S. You know, you hear those horror stories of people flying to Canada to get insulin at a fraction of the cost yeah. of, of what we pay here. It is a very imperfect system. The only thing you can do is just plan the best you can to pay what you've got to pay. Yeah, and, and, and you know, trust me, if you're trying to buy cheaper medication across the border in Canada, they're ready for you. They, they, I mean, they, they, they can set up mail order. You're not the first person to do this. And the FDA kind of looks the other way. I mean, if you're a type 1 diabetic and, you know, it costs you $300 a month for a vial of uh, your insulin, uh, up there it's literally about $50. Um, the FDA looks the other way on approved uh, drugs for the most part, and, and as long as you're doing it for your own benefit and not someone else. So, yeah, it's it's not a perfect system by any stretch. Here's the Simply Money point. Miracle drugs are not going to be cheap. Make sure you're saving for your future health care costs and start saving today. So would you invest your 401k money in cryptocurrency? I mean, come on, everyone's talking about it. Uh, and I think as the result of everyone talking about it, Steve, financial institutions are like, all right, we got to like yeah, pony up here. This scares me a little bit, but yeah, there is a 401k provider, not one of the big ones, not one of the big names out there, but they are incorporating crypto into the available investment options if you have your your employer 401k through them. Um they're limiting you to 5%. You can't invest more of your 401k into crypto. Um, above 5%, but they are allowing up to 5%. This scares the heck out of me, Amy. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're talking about that the most well-known cryptocurrency, obviously, is Bitcoin. It dropped by 50% in, in a couple of days' time, about two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, so this is your long-term money. This is what you're going to base, you know, Social Security and, you know, is that going to be around plus whatever you save. So, I mean, this is money you got to be careful about. And, and if you've got something in there that by nature and historically has dropped 50%, is that what you want to have your your future retirement based on? Well, and let's talk about what's driving, right, that major decrease in its worth. Well, China, right, questioning sure. some, yeah. And then also, like, every time Elon Musk sends out a tweet about cryptocurrency, it's up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, I think that speaks hugely to the volatility of this. And in fact, they got together a bunch of chief investment officers and asked them, right, what mm -hmm. are your favorite investments? What are you the most comfortable with? And these with? are smart people. 
Yes. Yeah. These are Andy Stouts of exactly. the world, right? Exactly. Like these kind of geniuses. 35% of them said Bitcoin was their least favorite. Least. Yes, investment class. Uh, and I think that should be eye-opening because I get it, Steve. I think people are getting back out there. And for whatever reason, this is the topic of conversation. It, it, it's, yeah, it's what they're talking about. And, and yeah. one, one thing, you know, I, I've been doing this a while. And investments aren't invented because they're the best new idea. Investments are invented because people want to buy them. What are people talking about? They're talking about crypto. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if there is a type of asset category that's relatively new to the scene and people want to invest money in it, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, companies will they will package a product that makes that cryptocurrency in in this case be an avenue you can put money into. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me it's happening. I'm I'm just disappointed and very, very nervous that um, you're going to see some people start to jump all over this in their 401ks and, and maybe get hurt. I think using the word investment, right, into cryptocurrency, it's not an investment it's at this not. point. No. It is it is speculative. It is more along the lines of gambling. And I think FOMO is playing into this in a huge way, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And FOMO is fine if it's driving your social calendar, right? You're, you don't want to miss out on the big things of the weekend. It's not okay, though, when it's it's directing your investment choices. That's what's scary. Yeah, and listen, there, there, there's a guy down in Georgia that put 20 bucks in, in a new type of cryptocurrency called Rocket Bunny, and the next day he gets a statement showing it's worth $1.2 trillion. I, I mean, it obviously was a mistake. <laughs> But is, you know, that gives you an example of, no, this is not, it's not a long-term investment, at least at this point in time. No, uh, speculative. Here's a Simply Money point. Keep your retirement savings and investments that can generate cash flow. You know, Americans are going back to work. And an interesting trend that we're seeing in the midst of that. Some of those who are going back to work are those who had previously retired. Steve, this is something you're seeing. Uh, yeah, all the time. There, there's 10 million workers that are 65 or older, Amy, and, and out of those, 40% had already retired. Uh, I matter of fact, I, I just met with uh, someone who retired, retired. So, you know, yeah. it's not unusual for somebody to retire from their career and then find, okay, I'm bored, couldn't, could use a couple of bucks. Maybe my spouse is not crazy about me being home all day. It's um, a lot and, of together time. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Let, let, uh, and go out and work at least part-time. It's it's becoming more the norm than, than so not. are you seeing people who are going back to something like maybe that's more along the line of their passions or, you know, a part-time thing just to make money? Yeah. Or are they going back to maybe the same kind of career field that they were in previously? It's rare they go back to the career. Um, yeah. Some people, especially if they're downsized unintentionally, which is a nice way of saying uh, you're laid off, uh, we don't need you. And then all of a sudden the company realizes, wait a second, we do need some of these people back. And, and yeah, yeah, you'll see some people go back consulting, which is really a nice way if, okay, your company said, we don't need you, but I could use the money and I know my job. And now they're saying, yeah, maybe we do need you. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to go back to, on your terms. Yeah. Right? go ba- Exactly. That, that's the best way of putting it. But you know, m- most people that I find that go back to work, they're, they're doing it just for fun. I, I ran into uh, someone that I knew from, from our church from years ago. Um, I was playing golf and he's uh, the starter. And I'm like, I know you. It's been a few years. What are you doing here? Well, I retired and got bored. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I, I get to play golf for free. 
So I'm seeing a lot of that or just go to Home Depot and, and you know, place, places like that, part-time, sometimes full-time, get some benefits. And, and it keeps you feeling like you've got some use. And, and that's important. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's a great thing. And I know that it's certainly something that we see happening more and more often. The problem is there are some money considerations that you have to think about. And one of them is Medicare. You know, I think there's a lot of people who, Steve, feel like, okay, well, I paid into the system all these years. So when I get to 65, Medicare kicks in, no extra costs, you know, done and done. And it is a brutal Rude awakening to find out that the reality of Medicare is not only that you pay for it, but depending on your income level, you could pay dearly for it. Oh, my goodness. It, it, you know, most people think, oh, okay, I think it's 120, 130, 140 bucks a month. And it's, it's part of the equation going into retirement. They look at two previous years of tax returns when they calculate how much you pay for Medicare. So let's just say you left your job and maybe you had a severance package, okay, mm-hmm. that added up to a lot of money. Well, yeah, but that that's money that I lived on for the next year. Doesn't matter if it was paid out to you and you had to pay tax on, that's part of your two-year record. And for an individual, if your gross, or I'm sorry, if your adjusted gross was over 88000 or for a married couple over 176000 that one year, you may pay three times as much as, as Medicare as you expected. I, I mean, once you exceed those limits, even by a dollar, you can be paying a whole lot more for Medicare. So maybe you have your budget all figured out, right? You're in retirement. You've been retired for a year or two. Then you decide to go back to work. Yeah. And it could bump you up to that next Medicare, you know, earning threshold, in which point you're going to be paying dearly. A lot of maybe what you're making at Lowe's or wherever you're working. Yeah, could go right out the window. Could go right back to those Medicare premiums and payments. So this is one thing to keep in mind, um, you know, if you're looking at going back to work. Also, what about RMDs? Yeah, uh, required minimum distributions. Well, you know, that that law was just changed. A lot of people don't realize, but for uh for people after 2019, uh it may have changed from 70 and a half, which was hard enough to remember, to 72. So if you're not sure, check with your tax advisor, but once you hit either 70 and a half or 72, you're paying required minimum distributions or or, or you're taking out required minimum distributions. And you may go back to work and say, OK, but I don't have to do that because now I'm in a 401k or I'm in a company plan. No, if you've got IRAs outside, uh, which most people do, um, you still have to take your RMD. Don't forget those. And let's talk about Social Security here, yeah. right? The most confusing thing for retirees anyway. So you retire, maybe you claim Social Security early. I mean, let's let's throw out there, Steve, at the age of 64, sure. you start sure. claiming. Uh, and then you go back to work a year or two, a year later, um, and you're earning $19,000 or more a year. Let's talk about that impact. Yeah. Well, first of all, know what you're full retirement age is. It's it's abbreviated FRA in Social Security terms. For most people, it's age 67. Yep. Once you hit full retirement age, you can make as much money as you want. Work all you want. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't impact or reduce your Social Security benefit. But if you're not at full retirement age and, and go back to work, it's the limit's only 18960 bucks this year. So if you make more than, let's just call it nineteen grand. Your social security benefit's going to be reduced a buck for every two bucks over that nineteen grand, and you'll get that back when you hit full retirement age and in uh, a higher monthly benefit. But you know, all of a sudden, you're you're wondering, hey, how come my social security check is either missing in action or or reduced? 
well, you might have exceeded it. Yeah. If you're anything like me, sometimes I will just get this idea in my head, right? And I can see that in retirement, you know, thinking, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm just ready. I want to do something different. I, I heard about this opportunity. Understand that, well, we're not saying you should not absolutely pursue those opportunities. You just have to think through the implications of going back to work and what that means for your money, because I think it could be a far bigger decision than you might even be aware of. Yeah. And, and don't discount your spouse communicate with each other. Oh, it might be it might be hard to do after 30 40 years of marriage or whatever the, the situation happens to be when you're when you're going into retirement but I, I had an next door neighbor that as soon as the husband retired the wife went to work because they had a hard time dealing with each other 24/7. So think this through. It's 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 an important consideration especially if you're going to file for social security benefits. You know, funny that you mentioned that. I actually had an old neighbor as well um, who retired. The husband had been home, you know, for years before. Uh, and she texted me not I mean, I'm talking like a couple of months later and said, <laughs> do you know of any jobs? And I said, well, I, I thought you we had retired. I thought I cannot handle this. We are not used to being here <laughs> together. Here. <laughs> yes. A lot of things to think through. Uh, and it might make sense to go back to work. Here's the Simply Money point. Before you take that job in retirement, talk to your trusted financial advisor make sure you understand the financial implications we've been talking about these historically low interest rates for some people that means you're interested in moving for others maybe the question is should I pay off the mortgage early? Joining us tonight with some great insight from that, Andy Schaefer, um, member of the Allworth team, a regular here on the show. Andy, the conversation has probably changed that you're having lately because of these interest rates, right? It has changed a little bit. You know, when you're trying to determine whether you should pay your mortgage off before retirement, you know, our general... Generally, you want to make sure that you do have that cost at least under control and have a strategy involved. Um, and sometimes the calculation can be cut and dried. You know, if you're paying more in interest in your mortgage than the interest that you're earning on your money that you'd use to pay it off, um, it may be an easy decision, but that's not always the case. I think for a lot of people too, Andy, as you're getting closer to retirement, it's not just a financial decision. It's kind of an emotional one, right? Having that mortgage paid off and not hanging over your head feels good. Makes you sleep yeah, better at night. I, yeah, that, and, and that's part of financial planning. You know, a lot of financial planning is just not, um, you know, the math and pencil to paper and, and what makes better sense financially. Um, but a lot of times it's very subjective. Um, you know, there's a lot of situations where I'll talk with clients and, you know, if their financial plan is in good health, you know, I have a client named Steve and he said one time, you know, Andy, I got about $100,000 left on my, on my home and I just want to know that I own the property and I own the house. You know, it was a financially better decision because he had such a low interest rate to just continue to pay, um, you know, that mortgage. But for him, it was, you know, the opportunity cost wasn't as great for him to be able to have that sense of peace and reduce the stress and, and knowing that he owned his house and his property outright. So in his case, um, you know, I advised him to go ahead and do it because he could afford it. Who do you say, no, it does not make sense to pay this off now to? Yeah, well, when you when we talk about the math and, you know, you know, I was saying that, you know, if if your mortgage and the interest is higher than the money that you used to pay it off, that's pretty cut and dry. But a lot of times, you know, clients will say, well, should I should I pull money out of my investment account? Should I pull money out of my IRA, whether it's a Roth or traditional? And you have to understand what the cost of borrowing is versus, you know, what the cost of the potential rate of return. You know, if you have money that's in a traditional IRA um, and you're in a moderate portfolio that 
you know, you can expect an average annual rate of return of six to seven percent growing tax deferred. It doesn't make sense to pull that money out, which you will incur um, income taxes for whatever distribution that you take um, to be able to pay off a mortgage that may be three percent. Um, you know, the cost of borrowing is a lot less than what you could potentially earn in a tax deferred investment account. So in that case, it doesn't make sense uh, for that homeowner. So what you're saying is it kind of depends on where the money's coming from, right? If you've got it sitting there, it's not earmarked for something else. Okay. But if not, you're pulling it from somewhere else. Maybe a 401k doesn't make sense. Yeah. You also want to make sure, you know, sometimes it can, um, you know, once again, if you created a significant amount of wealth and going back to that subjectivity, Amy, mm-hmm. if you created a significant amount of wealth and you are retired, for instance, and maybe you are in a low tax bracket, you know, the other thing you want to consider is, you know, what's my marginal tax rate? You know, if I pull out a hundred thousand dollars from my traditional IRA, how is that going to affect my overall marginal tax bracket? Is it going to push me into a higher tax bracket? Um, but a lot of times retirees um, don't have a lot of taxable income and, you know, if you've created a significant amount of wealth, at least it's worth talking to your financial advisor if it is important for you to pay that off and have that sense of peace and the reduction of stress. Maybe it can make sense for you, but, you know, it's different for everybody. And, you know, I would recommend that you talk to your financial advisor based on your particular situation. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC as we look at these low interest rates. Maybe it's raised the question for you, should I pay off my mortgage early? Should I pay it off before I get into retirement? Kind of layers of answers to this question. It is not cut and dry. Depends on your individual financial situation. Where's that money coming from? What plans did you have for it? Um, will it bump you into a higher tax bracket? These are all great points by Andy Schaefer, a regular here on the show. Have you seen, Andy, people um, make a choice when it comes to paying off a mortgage and they just make a huge mistake? Like, wh- What do you warn people against doing in these situations? Well, I think the first thing is sometimes clients can make the mistake of potentially upsetting their overall financial plan by pulling a significant money out of an investment account that has performed well for them. And, you know, let's say, for instance, that you have, you know, um, a fairly aggressive approach and you're earning about 8% per year and you pull $100,000 out of your investment account to pay for, you know, pay that mortgage off, you know, that's $100,000 basically that's left out of your plan. Now, it will reduce your overall budget as far as expenditures are concerned, um, but you have to weigh the opportunity costs in that regard. You know, I've also seen people um, that have used home equity line of credits to buy a second home. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, that does make a lot of sense. Um, ho- home equity line of credit uh, gives you a lot of liquidity um, as opposed to pulling money out of an investment account as well. Um, you typically get a decent interest rate with that home equity line of credit, but remember, you know, that's additional debt that you have and you have to be able to make sure that you can service it uh, to be able to continue to afford you know, whatever that budget is that you've identified for yourself throughout retirement. And Andy, for those people that paying off that mortgage works out for, the numbers work out, it makes sense, it doesn't bump up into a higher tax bracket, um, you know, there's still costs in that home that are going to be there when you get to retirement. And I think it's so easy to completely discard them. But from taxes to insurance yep. to new roof and HVAC, this all needs to be part of a financial plan. And, and not only that, you know, if, if you are itemizing and you are getting a deduction for, you know, your mortgage interest and you pay that home off, um, there's a potential 
a benefit that you used to have that you won't have any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with the new standard deduction, a lot of people aren't itemizing as much as they used to, but that's another thing that you want to consider um, when you think about paying that, that mortgage off. You know, some benefits are being eliminated as well. So what would you say for anyone considering this who's listening, what's the very first consideration they need to consider? What's the cost of borrowing versus what money will you be using to pay off that mortgage? If it's money that's just sitting in a money market account and you happen to have $100,000 that's sitting in earning less than you know 50 basis points, meaning a half a percent, then maybe that makes sense. But I wouldn't pull it out of an investment account that's tax deferred where you're receiving a decent amount of income as well. I think that would be a mistake. However, I will say this, Amy, when I've had clients that have paid off their home, none of them have ever regretted paying it off as long as they could do it. Great perspective tonight from Andy Schaefer, a regular here on Simply Money. If you are considering, maybe because of these low interest rates, paying off that mortgage before you retire, most of the time it's a great decision, but a lot of things to think through. So make sure you're working with a professional that you can trust. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it as well. At Allworth Financial, we help you retire better.